Hello and welcome to the UK election special. We have had a, a, an amazing night for Labour. They lost another election, but the matter of defeat wasn't as crushing as everyone thought. We have Doug and uh, Derek here to talk all about it. First, I just want to say sorry to everybody who's a, a paying subscriber to From Alpha Omega for not having podcasts out in the last while. I've been absolutely snowed under, but I have lots of interviews and stuff planned, and I swear to God they will be out. Okay, Derek, over to you. I heard you, you said in, before we started that you weren't going to annoy everybody, so why, why not start straight off the bat? Well, you know, it's always fun for a Yank to talk about um, British politics as if he knows anything about it. But uh, I, I was thinking today about why, the, I mean, I think this is actually a good thing. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about, in fact, I think it may in some way be better than if Corbyn out and out won. Um, but I, I do think some of the, the, the cries of labor victory and all this are way, way premature. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It shows the signs of the Tories and the Blairites eating crow. Um, which you can't get enough of, really. But I don't think it's actually a clear vindication of, like, the Labor Manifesto under Corbyn or any of that. Why not? Um, because, one, they didn't clearly win. Um, and and even, with, even with the fact that the electorate punished parties that were closely associated with the, with the Tories, such as UKIP and... Uh, um, the Lib Dems, um, who are still living down there, their devil's deal with Cameron from, from uh, seven years ago, they, they didn't vote clearly Labour across the board. I mean, the, the Conservatives only lost 12 seats, which is significant, but it's not, but a, a political revolution, it is not. Um, so that, that has to be squared away. Um, the, the fact that this has all kind of come down to Northern Ireland which is really kind of strange, and in a way, the re the only reason why um why uh from a technicality perspective, while why Corbyn is not PM and won't be, you know, in the next few days, is because of of Sinn Fein's abstentionism. So you know, I mean, that's kind of funny to me. But it, teach, it says to me that like, this is almost as much an anti-political climate as it is a clear you know, kind of quasi-mandate for labor in any sense of the word, even, even Corbyn labor. And, and the other thing is it is good to see Corbyn specifically win this because it repudiates a whole lot of labor's own self, you know, internal battles, not just the Blairites I've been going after. I've been listening to you know, the, uh, the, the labor-friendly British media, like the comedy shows and stuff, just being brutal on Corbyn um, um, themselves. And, you know, that's, he's technically their guy. But I don't, I don't think this is a clear endorsement of Corbynite policies or some kind of return to neo-Keynesian social democracy and nationalization of you know, of, you know, major industries. I don't really think that's what's going on here. And I think that, I don't think the election numbers bear that reading out. Well, I think you're being wholly too negative. Uh, um, Doug, do you want to... You always, you always do, and you're always wrong. So we can go about this that way. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so it starts, so it starts. Well, just because uh, you've had your, just because you've had your innards open doesn't mean I'm going to go easy on you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Well, I'm going to 
side with Varn on this, but again, I'm, you know, a Yank and I don't understand, like one of the reasons I was a little reluctant to even join this conversation when you first asked me was because it dawned on me last night that I didn't understand British politics at all. That, um, I mean, I do understand it to some degree, but, but, but like I saw early exit polls yesterday indicating that, um, you know, the, the Tories were going to lose lots, lots of seats and that while it wasn't going to be um, a blowout for labor, that they would be able to put together a coalition was what I thought was going to happen. So I thought, you know, around seven o'clock in the evening in Portland, Oregon, I thought, oh, we're going to be looking at a, a Corbin as PM. Um, and I was just totally wrong because I and I because I didn't understand all the other like I'm I'm an American. I, there's two parties, and you just look at them, and that's it. Um, but no, there's it was a very complicated uh, situation, and it looks like it, um, there's no way that uh, Corbyn's going to get a coalition together, and and um, the Tories are going to be able to. So, but when I thought that it, uh, Corbyn might have won, I was very tempted, but did not let myself post on Facebook this idea, which is that now the UK gets its Syriza moment. Um, because if Corbyn had won, what he'd be faced with is the fallout from Brexit and the continued problems in the uh, UK economy that are that I think are in the background, not the only cause by any means, but in the background for all the problems with the NHS. And, um, you know, there's a reason for the austerity. Um, and so I think that you would find quickly that Corbyn would be considered a traitor by many because he'd be forced to, within the real politics, to do things that um, were against his principles if he were to actually achieve power. So in a sense, this is the best of all possible worlds for Corbyn and labor. But, you know, it's, it, to me it seems like a hollow victory um, not 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 because it wasn't a great day uh, for the Corbyn wing of the Labour Party. Not because it, it wasn't a terrible day for the Blairites. Um, not because it didn't send a signal to the United States that people should take Bernie Sanders more seriously. At least you know uh, many people were saying that. But because even in the best case scenario where you have a real victory for that kind of socialism for the Social Democrats, you haven't addressed the core issues um in in the economy and in capitalism uh itself and I, I say the economy and then capitalism because there's also political and ideological problems that are still working them, themselves out uh, that are not uh that we're not driving that are being driven by by capitalism itself so there that's what i'll say so the, thanks for that u.s uh, communist critique um, what I'd, I'd like to say, like, just talking, I think you guys have called it a bit wrong, to be honest with you. Like, um, the political climate, like, <laughs> when Corbyn, when, when she announced that election, Labour were, I think, at 24% in the polls, okay? And Jeremy Corbyn ended up getting 40, nearly 41% in the election. And the main reason that he was able to do that, in my opinion, was... Um, that it was the first time that there wasn't uh, that he had time on the main media where there wasn't a, a filter. So it was the first time he did, you know, uh, a debate. People saw him being interviewed at depth. 
they heard him, you know, and he's had some media training. And so all these people that had this filter of journalists, every single newspaper was against him. No, no left wing newspaper. There's only one or two small left wing newspapers. No liberal newspaper was for him. All the all the billionaire papers were against him. So he's just getting absolutely cut up all the time. And I don't know, Derek, what comedy programs you're watching, but there's no left wing comedy programs in the UK that I know of. Um, well, so, I'm using I'm using left in the sense that these people see themselves as labor voters, not in any like principled left sense. Um, yeah, but you, you know, you might have comedians that are uh, say labor or even radical comedians, but you know, n not really. Uh, none of the political, none of the comedy that's on television now is similar to say like the brash comedy of the '80s, the new wave of comedians. So it's oh, no, not I know. overtly it was, political. It's, it's very mannered, and is there... it, it is it. It feels like actually sort of the British version of of say the Daily Show more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it kind of is there like a UK what, what's it called of, of the Daily Show or the just, like, just like you watch the BBC like weekly news quiz show? The okay, jokes yeah. they make are definitely pro labor, Have but I they are at Corbyn constantly. Yeah, but like, um, but you know, have I got news for you or not? I don't consider not? them like properly left wing. I just consider them left in the context of British politics. But, but well, let's, no, let, let's, let's, let's um, let's right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, oh, you go the, ahead. No, you go ahead, Tom. I'm yeah, saying go that, ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. yeah. The new, so yes. Yeah, um, anyway, like, uh, just in general, like, what I'm saying is that, like, um, the vibe here was very weird. I put on my Facebook page uh, about two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. I thought that Jeremy Corbyn was going to do it. Now, when it when the election was 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 launched, I thought he would get decimated, even though I support him, his policies and that. You know, like I'm not. Obviously, I'm a communist, but I, you know, he's definitely better than the Tories. And um, he's, uh, he, I was uh, quite shocked that when I saw on uh, social media, I have, uh, I'm a big boxing fan, and I have a Twitter account that I use only for boxing, right? And uh, so I, I don't want to have any politics on that. I just want to use it for a separate thing. And what I started noticing through my boxing feed was that there was a credible amount of positivity for Jeremy Corbyn coming from the people. Crazy memes, just like literally every five minutes is a new video with a pro Jeremy Corbyn. And they weren't coming from party headquarters, they're coming from the roots, from the grassroots. And he started having massive uh, campaign rallies, like Bernie was getting massive numbers. And none of this was getting covered in the, in the media. And like all the polls, some of the polls had 12 points Tory lead, uh, so the two main polls, one of them had 12 points Tories, one of them had seven to the Tories. And that's in from like 28 points. So like, right. the whole vibe in the country was very different than what the vibe was on the media. Now, for him to break through like that is in, in, in the UK is very, very difficult because it's first past the post. And like 80% of the media is owned by four, four or five billionaires between Murdoch's, uh, the, the the guys who won the Barclay yeah. Brothers and all that. So like, and and the day, the last two days before the election, like the newspaper ones were calling him a terrorist. They had pictures of him with like guys linked to ISIS. They had every possible bad thing they did, and he still romped, like very close to being able to form a government. Like 
like basically if we're looking at the number of seats i was looking at the betting markets 10 days ago and the the number of seats that jeremy corbyn was supposed to get was a, between 100 and 150 and he ended up getting 260 and very short and and the other thing is this government will not last because i know i know brexit, oh, yeah, the oh, pressures that... of brexit are so 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 big that if they ran the government if they ran this election again tomorrow you know and what would happen primarily i think one of the things that will happen is in that in, in scotland there will be uh, uh um some uh planned uh uh things between labor and scottish national party which are both left-wing and they'll they'll basically manage their seats so one will run in one constituency and one will run in the other and they'll basically be able to wipe out the tories again in scotland whoever thought the tories would ever come and get seats in Scotland again. So uh, we could see a, maybe a six, six there could have been a six seat swing the other way. But, you know, uh, and people can't underestimate like what, what impact this makes for like say young people and stuff. And for all the people who, who feel now like they go, Jesus, Corbyn is not a total retard. That if they ran it again in, the, in, the, in, in, in say three months time, I think there's a decent possibility that he could surge more than he did this time. Okay, what, so what happened? I, I gotta. I want to jump in first, Derek, if I can. Yeah, because it's. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so. Go ahead. All right, so the question that I was answering wasn't, uh, is Jeremy Corbyn much more popular than anyone anticipated, and does that reflect uh, a desire for change in the population? that no one can quite uh, control, that the media can't control. I mean, if you had asked me those two questions, I would have said, yes, he's much more popular than anyone anticipated, and yes, the, the public really um, is, is sick of the establishment and really t uh, wants something different, and there's a mood for change that we've seen, you know, that actually the Brexit vote reflected in one way, and that this kind of reflects in another. Um, you know, that would be my take on it, like, just like uh, the fact that Bernie Sanders got much closer to the nomination than anyone would have thought. And the fact that Trump took the Republican nomination, those two things weren't, they weren't being, the source wasn't exactly the same, but they were speaking to the same political moment. So yeah, I would agree with all of what you said, but none of what I said had anything to do with that. I mean, but, you know, that yep. you can have the population behind you and you can get a new uh, political leader in place. You can get Corbyn uh, to be the prime minister, but the public is simply reacting, you know, pressing the buttons um, that are in front of them. They don't have a way to actually shape uh, the institutions themselves at the moment. So, all with the with the control pads they have, you know, they're doing this erratic button button punching. But they're but that doesn't. But as long as they're still punching those buttons, they're not going to be taking power for themselves. And they're not going to be taking a, forming a new kind of government. I mean, I know I sound like this very dogmatic Marxist, you know, communist, but I, but I'm being led to say these things, not because um, I've read Capital or you know I've got some uh, ideology behind me, but just based on what I see, based especially since 2008, where you know you have this economic crisis, which had been resetting the terms of our society, and no one can quite control it. The parties themselves can't really change the course of things. So, all right, I'll stop. I'll let. Well, well, yeah, I wanted to pick up. I wanted to pick up on that a little bit and actually add to it because you are reading some of what I'm saying is more negative against Corbyn than it is. 
I actually think specifically Corbin, all right, is why why he appealed to an anti-political moment because while he's not an outsider, he's been in some sort of MP for a long time. So has Bernie Sanders, actually. Yeah. They speak against the dominant narrative of even their own party and they're resetting those terms. That's great. The issue becomes, like, we don't know what it looks like, one, if they do win, because what they're going to be able to do, let's look at the British economy for a second. Like, Corbyn's nationalization schemes are great if you're a economy like the United States that still produces, or, or, or China that still produces a lot of things in terms of material goods. That isn't the British economy. So what 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 could you what could Corbyn do Derek, immediately? Derek what's, saying, Derek, what's he saying? He's going to nationalize though. He's talking about railways. You know, he's not right, talking yeah, about nationalizing yeah. Google or yeah. something. So well, they're yeah, eminently possible. Like I, I. But they're intimately irrelevant because they're intimately possible. This is where like you and I are completely off sync. Yes, it's totally possible because they don't fundamentally change shit. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I know what you two guys are saying, that Jeremy Corbyn is not the communist revolution. And I think we all agree with that. Yeah, but, but, but see, when but, I... But, but but the point... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to... The fact is that we've had this neoliberal period for... And, you know, I don't like the word neoliberal, but essentially, you know, we've had this non-Keynesian. We had our Keynesian period, and we had a non-Keynesian period. For, right. for the left... The left, as it has been since the fall of the Soviet Union, which was a was a good thing, probably. Uh, well, whatever we say about that, like that, the, the for the left has been extremely weak. Now we've seen uh, two party, the two well, two major dominant imperial forces. We've had America, and we've had UK, and we've had resurgent of New Dealers, essentially neo uh, Keynesian, um, old Labour. Uh, New New Deal Democrats come back now. The last time that happened, that happened after a war, and it or before a war, sorry, and it also happened um, before and after war, and it also um, there was communist parties and big things on the left happening. At the moment, our left is extremely weak, right? But this is to me is the first kind of crystallization of the populace getting political. And radical again. Now, <coughs> uh, like some, some, you know, some of the things that are in the Labour manifesto. Apparently, I'm not an expert on Labour stuff, but reasonably radical. Back to the 1980s, where they're talking about democratizing the workplace and stuff like that. So there are actual things there that tend towards what some people would call market socialism or something like that. They'll, you know, they'll never get in. But you know, the 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 the, the talk. The level and the language of people when they're talking about politics today is radically different than it was five years ago. Radically different. And for me, the big thing in this election, and I know this sounds like I'm talking about the Arab Spring and I'm some wanker on uh, you know, BBC or Al Jazeera, and they're talking about, oh, you know, this is the Facebook revolution or something. But like my experience of Twitter is like <laughs> has been really uh i've been really shocked to be honest with you i've been very very shocked at what uh, at, at how i feel like it's worked 
that the impact, like when when Maggie Thatcher was in power, or the you know back score twenty years ago, thirty years ago, when the mm -hmm. when when the when the Sun newspaper would have a, a headline on the day of election like Labour doesn't work or something like this, and a mm -hmm. picture of a of a dole queue, that would that paper would basically mean that would give uh, that would be worth fifty seats in an election. That's how it would be. And this time on, on, on Twitter and all this stuff, everybody was just saying, you know, fuck the newspapers. Uh, and not just one or two people, because I'm a, these are not political people that I'm following. These are just random boxing fans. And it's full on. And it, it reminds me like, you know, reminds me like I was alive at the time. But when the print and press first came on, it radicalized politics, you know, and it took a long time for them to get control of the media again. You know, it probably took them like a couple hundred years to fully get control of the media again. But the mm -hmm. flat nature of these social medias, you know, Rupert Murdoch must be fucking fuming. The, the radical nature of these allows us to, to get our politics radical again. So I, I'm just, I'm like, don't, you know, I, I just think that the long-term impact of this flattening of media again is extremely important. And we shouldn't underestimate how much politics in the UK has shifted in the decade massively well yeah I, I agree this is where i think like maybe we, we came up because of the way i'm framing this when i said it's anti-political and it, and it doesn't necessarily mean the left is winning I, I actually do think this is a this is an opportunity for for some kind of real left to emerge mm -hmm. um i thought that about obama too because you actually need the space created by um by, by, and, and, and by, by the hope engendered by someone like even Obama, okay? So we, we think about Obama as a centralist, a, a centralist lame you know, basically Clintonite and all but name um, now. But that wasn't what he felt like in 2008. Right. Like, well... <laughs> now I, I I thought he did, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of did too, but that wasn't what most people thought. Right. The reason why the reason why he won is he seemed to be opposing that side of the spectrum. Now he won because people thought he was Bernie Sanders, right? And he wasn't, right? But and, the thing is, like, they Jeremy capitalize Co on it. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Corbyn, as well, you must remember, is far to the left of Bernie Sanders, right? I, depending on what it is, pretty much now, like he's an anti-imperialist. Uh, Bernie right. Sanders no, on, on isn't. foreign policy. He's a much better yeah. than Sanders. I, yeah. Like I, like I've been at anti-war demonstrations in a small hall in London with with Corbyn and Tariq Ali and all these people, you know, yeah, yeah. and a lot of trots. And uh, you know, his economic advisors are pseudo some type of Marxists, you know, like. He is like Bernie Sanders is like a is like a New Dealer, but Jeremy Corbyn is something much closer to kind of like um, to Marx, for example. Well, is he? I actually no, I, I actually do not think so at all. But I, I don't I don't I do think, think I, I doubt that. But 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 let me ask you this: Is he further to the left than Farrakis? Yes, I would think okay. so. Farrakis is. Well, it's hard to know. Varoufakis is not a Marxist, you know. He's basically right. a Keynesian, and right. he said he was in, a Marxist when when he got a nomination from to to be a finance minister, and he never said it ever before, ever. And all <laughs> you know, and, right. you know, and you know, everybody in in Greece can say, "Oh, I'm a kind of a Marxist," because half of them thought the Nazis were in the Communist Party, you know. So anybody mm -hmm. can say that. But uh, <laughs> you know, li literally, 
you know, the, we had the, the deputy, um, so the, what you call the shadow chancellor, so the man um, who's in charge, the Labour chancellor, he's read Marx. That's capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Bernie Sanders' economic advisors would be reading Das Capital. No, no, no. The, there no. is a wing of the Labour Party, say like the ex-Labour -Labour, uh, 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 Mayor of London, um, Ken Livingston, who was, you know, one of these kind of, you know, Marxist Labour type of people as well. And he's, and Jeremy Corbyn comes from that kind of a, a clique. So he's definitely to the left of Bernie Sanders. Well, okay, well, like, what is it? Left of, is it to the left of Ramsey McDonald, though? Is I don't know who that is. You don't know who Ramsey McDonald is, the first Labour Prime Minister of the UK? All right, yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, basically the same. I, I thought it was, was it McDonald? Okay, I thought it was Lieutenant Attlee. No, I might have been wrong. Um, but he, he's, he's, um, he's basically that. They're like, he's basically that. Right. Or maybe so, but like, a bit to the left like, of that. A bit to the left, maybe. Okay. But that wouldn't be remotely, I mean, it wasn't good enough in 1929. It's not, it's, it's, it's not going to be satisfactory now. When, when faced with the fact that um, he's still going to have to negotiate Brexit, negotiate the fact that we may not be in a, a neoliberal time, uh, time period, but we're also not really in a nationalist one. So we still exist within global capital which is shifting its self-conception the uk I agree with you i cannot support its programs without participating in that so i, I i'm just I'm, I'm wondering what like i i actually completely sincerely believe that he's is probably the most the most marxist politician we we have had since shariza Right, it, 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 but I'm also not convinced that one he really truly has the backing of of his party enough to do a lot of that. And to, I mean, I don't know. This is this is me being. I, I'm wondering how much he really does. I know there is a significant faction that does, but there's also a significant faction that doesn't. Um, oh, absolutely! But support him. You, you know, like he, he's not, uh, he wouldn't be able to probably put in place a lot of his policies. But what, what I think that's very good about this result is that it allows, it shows people what's kind of possible. The things that, you know, there is no future or, you know, there is no choice or whatever. There's no alternative. Like there is, and people see, geez, we nearly won it. This was our first even go at it and we nearly won it. And the other thing is as well is that like, you know, we don't have, radical political parties all we have are you know weird truck groups some dysfunctional anarchist groups you know th that's pretty much outside of maybe kurdistan in the world i don't know maybe somewhere in india there's some revolutionary communists or maoists i don't know what they're i don't know too much about them but there is no in the west anyway there is nothing like that radical politics but what this shows, and what I see on social media, is that people are, are in, I think, I, I, I say this all the time when I have political discussions, I think people are inherently radical, but they just don't know it. You know, that when you actually talk to them, people have common sense, yeah, everybody should be equal, yeah. Yeah, why not shouldn't we have democracy in the workplace? 
you know, like people are inherently radical. You say that, and then they'll just like go, ah, yeah, well, sure. Did you, you know, let's turn on the football? You know, but people are inherently quite radical. But I think that, you know, that this is a first opening in uh, in UK, for example. Uh, one of the first looks of opening outside of Syria, Syriza, Podemos, and now you've had this. But there's definitely a movement. It's a definitely a large shift. Well, but th this movement seems to swing in both directions, though, because because the shifts to the right in in Europe and abroad seem to be just as like just as likely if the right is not currently in power. So that's why I'm a little bit more skeptical well, because it seems like things go in either direction depending on who's winning. Well, that's the you know, that's the kind of it seems to me that's the kind of his lesson from history that when the shit is the fan. The, the people will get more radical one way or the other. But I think that inherently people are more, like, they might not consider themselves left-wing, but when, you know, like, Chomsky always talks about this stuff where they survey people in America and they talk to them, like, about, they quote, like, the Communist Manifesto and they say, oh, that's in the U.S. Constitution. Okay, can I just, I want to jump are, in and, and ask a question. I, let's let's do a thought experiment for a second, because there's a reason why I said that Corbyn would be the next Theresa. It was not because... Look, when he, when I thought he was going to be the prime minister for a few minutes, <clears throat> I decided I was going to buy one of those fisherman hats that he wears. You know, I, I am a fan. I like Corbin a lot. I, 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 he speaks to me. But, but let's do a thought experiment for a minute. And let's say that everything that he, like he gets to be the prime minister and he gets the Labour Party behind him and he gets to implement his entire agenda. <clears throat> what would the consequences of that be? Like literally, it would be uh, people would have a better existence, you know, in the UK. They'd have better health and stuff. You know, it's okay, not the, so, it's not the so, communist so, revolution. But it's, let's wait, say wait, he wait, got no, but no. But I'm just asking, like, okay, so you're what you're saying is that the reason why the NHS is falling apart right now, and the reason why there's austerity measures right now, is because of the political decisions that are being made, uh, and that it would be just a matter of political will. To change those decisions, and that that would work well enough for people to have a better life overall in the UK. I think you're being a, a determinist, an economic determinist, a bit, saying that there is. And I think you're being a political determinist to to the point of naivete. I mean, like, who me um, me or, I, or I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying that um, that it's all economically determined. I just asked the question, what would the results be, and to to get the answer back that life would be better in Britain is not exactly satisfactory. I mean, I, I don't doubt it that for a while, I mean, look, having an NHS get funded, even if it costs um, stability in the economy somewhere else would be worthwhile. It's something that we should but, fight for. But, but I just want to know like, what kinds of other unintended consequences might come from uh, Corbyn's agenda being put through. But like, you know, I, I know you're trying to think, you say the, 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 the rate of profit has fallen and all that, but even if the rate of profit has fallen, there can still be changes in the redistribution from classes to the other classes. Yeah, and, okay. and, and in, in the periods that austerity came as in... As long as you can fund it, yes. Yes, as long as, well, yeah, well, we can get into that old MMT argument all over again, but, <laughs> you know, that... That, yeah, because you believe in magic. Because like even even my concessions to you and MMT were, were predicated 
on a world system having already accepted it without well, we that gotta, that's I meaningless think, no no no, no we no, got to no, we no. got to go slow here because yeah. you know because absolutely let's slow it down derek i'm in charge <laughs> don't shut up right <laughs> the, the uh like it doesn't help that you're wrong so much up, so, yeah. <laughs> um, or i'll slice you open again <laughs> look 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 you think that you're in charge what, what is what is this about i got the mute button here i'm i got him there he is he's muted okay ha ah, no i let you back Doug. sorry that was a bad joke how do i unmute you you have to unmute yourself Doug. i don't know how to do it i just did it by accident <laughs> You bastard! Are you back? <laughs> Sorry, right. I did it, but just but then I couldn't figure out how to undo it. No, I, right. I just think, so let, let's actually like wait, talk about what we agree on. Though. I really should. Let, let, let him respond. Let him respond. Yeah, yeah. Like wait, so, you know, e, e, there is always the economic. There's always economic choices, regardless right. of what what the thing is. And at the moment, uh, you know, we've had redistribution upwards here. That's not linked to the some of some of the problems are linked to the falling rate of profit, but others aren't. Mm -hmm. Secondarily, we also have uh, the critique of MMT, which I've done a number of podcasts talking about Marx and MMT, and I've done one with Derek where we actually agreed on everything, but now he's going to say he doesn't. But um, no, you, you're you're forgetting the caveat <laughs> I put on our agreement, which would, would only be work if it was already in a worldwide system, where there even if you no, had two companies, they had to work to. They had to basically have the same system, and and you don't exist in that world. Well, we said we don't know that if if, if it doesn't work, if they don't work in that system, and we also said that in the short term you can do it. No, no, no. I did not say that. You said that. I only conceded to you if if those other conditions were met, then yes, such a thing could happen. We don't live in a world where those conditions are met. No, what we so, what we actually said was was that if there was a, a if there was a system with two countries where one was doing MMT and so was the other, and one of them stopped doing MMT and started going neoliberal, we don't know exactly what would what would happen to that system. That it may be right. Well, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But so what, I, what have, I was saying is, you had to get to a point where most of the world was not was not operating. On well, MMT, we, and the reason why is simple, the ability, I mean, it was operating on MMT. You, you guys should mention the name of the episode in which you had this conversation so people who listen to this can go and find it because without yeah. that context, this is really obscure. Yes. I've listened it's and I'm, so, I'm so having me, trouble tracking it. Yeah. Okay, so let me just talk. I think there, there's the last um, two or three, the last two episodes of the podcast. But let me say, so the idea of the MMT is that basically you can use the government uh, deficit spending or printing of money to negate the falling rate of profit. Some yeah. Marxists, most Marxists will, will say that's kind of not going to work, but uh, other Marxists think it might, and certainly po some post-Keynesians think it does. I think that, I personally, I think that it will definitely work in the short term. I thought we agreed in that, Derek, that... No, know, no, it, 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 it would, I actually do agree with you. That, for example, for the stake of Corbyn's election, I would say, like, it would work for probably 20 years, which is exactly. not insignificant. Not insignificant. Well, wow. And, you know, we just need to look at countries that did do similar policies. Most of the West did post-1945. So that was the, essentially the post-war deal was Keynesian but, demand management. So yeah, we but saw that was that, after, that, that, that was after the that, That's still on it. Yeah, but, 
So, but I, like, Doug, where I know what you're saying, the fallen rate of profit, and it has weird implications <laughs> when you do this, right? Well, I'm just saying, so, yeah, I'm just saying this. Actually, after World get, War II, you also had a boom. That's all I'm saying. That's all I was going to point yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, there's, other, there's other things that go into it. So, you know, I've gone into it in depth in about three episodes that people can find yeah. them, and I'll, I'll send them to you, Doug, if you want to listen to them. But okay. the idea there is that, like, even if I'm wrong that it, it would work, it would definitely work in the short term, probably, because it's done it before. And so mm. I think that, you know, I don't think that he is anywhere close to as as uh, economically determinately kind of def um, caged in as as say climate or or say you you would i think that there is a lot more room for maneuver and okay. yeah you know uh, i would feel differently though if 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 britain produced more of its own um own product yeah but, but even still, I, I don't even know how it could they still I mean, have like, the city the of london they still take a skim on every bloody transaction. Forty-five percent of all currency transactions in the world are going through there, and they're taking a cut. So they have a massive yeah. But the, the moment you switch to MMT, if the rest of the world isn't on that, they won't trust it for the financial transaction. They'll move it somewhere else, and that can happen overnight. Well, I, I so, very much doubt it would happen. You know, um, and you know, but the thing is, even Corbyn was not saying full MMT policies. You were just talking about redistribution policies, increasing your corporation tax from 26 to 28 percent and yeah. some simple things like that. So they weren't mega ones like it is kind of sad to think that a person who is saying we're going to increase corporation tax by two percent is getting all us lefties excited because it's fucking pathetic. But in context, well, we agree about that. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in context. You know, the, it, 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 there is elements of it that is highly dramatic for the left. And I think we shouldn't uh, just underestimate it. Like, and, you know, <coughs> I don't know what will happen. Maybe this is the high tide for Corbyn. It possibly could be. But I feel like it's not. Say, for example. Well, I feel oh, sorry, like you, you got settled with Brexit. Oh, go ahead, Jug. Sorry. No, no, I didn't. No, go I ahead. was just going to say, if I feel like if he got a, saddled with Brexit, it it wouldn't be like it, it, like I I do I don't think like like I think even if it is his time he it's not his time in the next three months. Um, we you need you need Brexit to to plot along poorly for a while. You you need this weird. I don't even know what to make of like who the the, the Tories joining the. The unionist in Northern Ireland for a coalition. I don't even know what to make of that. That's about the most toxic partnership you could possibly have. It's so not, I mean, I. It's not. They. they it's not they've, toxic. They've, they're basically the Tory party in Northern Ireland. That's just what they are. They're just like. Yeah, but it, how's no that going to play with the, with the British though? I mean, with the with British public is more what I'm thinking. That's why I think it's toxic. I think like, there's such a non-entity like that over in like in the UK here. I'm Irish, so I'm living in you. You're uh, England now. Most people in England probably don't even know who they are. Yeah, that's you know? true. I know, know that Fein is. Angel Nagel was was talking about this on her Facebook. She's like, it's amazing to me uh, to see everyone wondering like, what is the DUP? What what? And the, you know, everyone meaning people in the UK, not Americans, uh, asking. What is this party? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's been around like, for a while, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the party of Ian Paisley. I don't know if you guys remember who Ian Paisley was. Who is vaguely? Indeed, Paisley was uh, all star oh. says no, and he was basically was a, a, a kind of bigoted anti-Catholic preacher 
who basically formed a like it's like the Ulster Unionist Party used to be the big unionists up there, and they weren't big enough assholes for this guy. So he set up the DUP, and eventually uh, they ended up after the the Good Friday Agreement. The two radical signs ended up in power. Sinn Fein from one side are dominant now in the Catholic nationalist community. These DUP now mm-hmm. are bigoted, and they're dominant with other ones. So ironically, the police process uh, got the two. Uh, most uh kind of radical elements of the society into power but you know they're not they're just basically tories who are uh, maybe 20 years behind that's all you have to think about them well okay, i okay. i, I want to throw in a couple of thoughts and then and i probably should take off pretty soon but um uh, so i'm Doug, you're thinking... not allowed to talk about the aliens you're not allowed to introduce the aliens into this topic <laughs> Um, what never, never mind then. Fourth international Posadist <laughs> assholes <laughs> taking over, head. brainwashing us. Like, you probably have probes and shit that are going in our brains starting to make us agree with you and shit like this now. I, I, well, all right, then, never mind. No, I know. No, I wasn't going to go there. All right, now here's where I was going to go. Um, I, although I am thinking about joining the Posadists, I need some little sect to be a part of or I don't feel comfortable at night. But uh, So the Posadists would be right at my own. <laughs> um, I, I want to be the Posadists. I want to but, be the Posadists. But, but uh, no, the, um, what I was going to say is if you take away my, feel, my, my position that capitalism itself is still in crisis from, from 2008, that the fundamentals of it are weak, that the declining rate of profit is important, and that uh, the managers, uh, in th- which leads me to think that the managing class, the political class, is <clears throat> um, only going to be able to put forward ideas that ultimately just change the nature of the crisis rather than overcome it. If you take all that away and you say, okay, no, politics is what matters, and we can, through the state, create something like an equitable version of bourgeois capitalist democracy, and then I would say, you know, yeah, this is a great moment. Corbyn um, has a whole lot of opportunities in front of him. All that, all that, you know, the most important thing is for everyone who's on the left to rally around him, and for to to find as much unity as possible. Because this, there obviously is a lot of um, sentiment out there, not just in the UK, but around the, uh, the throughout the Western world at least. It says, yeah, we're sick of the status quo. We're sick of the people who are running the system, and we want something fundamental to change. We want, you know, in the United States, there's always been a, a longing after the outsider, but it's more profound here than ever, and and it's seemed to be sweeping through Europe. So, you know, on all that, all those points, I agree with you. But what it turns out is that these kind of esoteric questions really matter about what what you think. Of any political situation and how you analyze it, and so for me, uh, what I'm realizing, especially after Trump, but even after this with Corbyn, is important to try to work out those fundamentals and really not just take any of it on faith, but to to be as confident as you can be about it. Except yeah. all, or to to work for disclosure, and make sure that the you know to take control of SETI, so that we can get the truth about the alien contact. Oh, sorry. The you forgot about the nuclear bomb. bomb. <laughs> well, I you don't forgot like about talk. the people's bomb. Look, we don't talk about the nuclear bombs anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, you know, I actually want to switch modes a little bit and say what I think is great about this Corbin thing, even if it's not a clear, like yeah. what I think is a clear, coherent leftist victory. 
is that I do think as far as Overton windows are going, so far the, the only people been able to benefit from the anti-political moment have been rightist. So it is good that somewhere That's important... Hold on. Syriza aren't right. And Podemos well, no, but, but that was before. We're we're talking. This is we're not putting Syriza into that anti-political moment. Why? Well, I think we would think of the start of it as being um, maybe when Brexit passed, but maybe that's too soon. Uh, maybe we should think well, of no, Corbyn. I, I would I, I would say that Syriza is part of the anti-political moment, but they weren't in a place that really mattered. Okay. Um, and and. I don't think it mattered. I don't think it mattered one bit. And I didn't think it would at the time, which is a very unpopular opinion, but one that has kind of played out because Greece could never leverage any, anything against the international system built against it. They didn't have the means to either go it alone or stay on terms that were good for them. Well, if you believe um, that in the politics only, they might have had an ability to go it alone if they just had this, you know, a sovereign currency. Right. Well, mm -hmm. you know, they, they could have gone their own, but it probably would have been an economic disaster. But they could. That's the that's the reality of the thing. You know, well, politics yeah, well, yeah. can't matter on its own. You know, it can do things. So it's not true to say it, it can't. They could have crashed out of the euro if they wanted to. You know. Yeah, they, but then they would have, they would have been in a. But the thing is, though, they could they have been in a worse situation. And not and, and not have had consequences for it. They were foreseeably worse than what they had to deal with. I mean. Uh, arguably, what what well, the reason why I say that even still kind of cuts right, and and this is going to be very um, somewhat unpopular, is because they failed the way they failed. I mean, it was because they actually got worse terms for Greece ultimately yeah. than even before they came in. So it, it, that 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 didn't help anyone. Podemos is a harder question. I think Podemos is actually a fair point that I'm missing that. Um, I. And Even something populist like Five Star Movement, you know, we shouldn't shit on these movements. I'm not, but I also, I, I think so far that the, the vast majority of in the places that mattered, as far as the way, as far as for global ca capital is concerned, things have gone right, not left in the cutting. So I don't think so. Like, even in America, do people think it's gone to the right in America? Um, like, yes. I know yes. <laughs> I know it has, but it's also gone to the left. You know what I mean? Like, I think... Except the left has no represent... I mean, like, it's still... The left still has the same amount of representation in in Congress. And this is a big, this is a big difference between us and Britain, and this like, really does need to be internalized. Even with the Sandinistas, like, there hasn't been a, a, a movement of people like Bernie to come into the Democratic Party. And and actually set policy anywhere on any state level because the the um, the Democrat Party have lost all the states. They don't have a grounds to launch from other than the urban hubs where the where people who are frankly the same kind of people who have been Blairites are the dominant political people. Period. So yeah. like that, and that's a fundamental difference from the UK. And and um, but. The thing that's is, Derek, a, the side effect of our system. Things change, though. Like, like literally. No shit, they change. <laughs> you know, you know, but they my, really my... change. Like, who could believe, Jeremy? Like, like I used to be Jeremy Corbyn used to be my MP, right? And I used to go to anti-war demonstrations 
uh, like small ones. I was actually in when the Arab Spring kicked off in Conway Hall in the centre of London. I was at a few of these ones, and Jeremy Corbyn would come in. He'd be late. He, you know, he would have said, oh, "I was in Parliament," and he spoke, and his speeches were kind of crap. And <laughs> you know, for somebody to say that he was so far like removed, it was literally he was he was the furthest left in in the Labour Party, as far as I know. Yeah, and to think he five years later from that or it's 10 years later is is like the or six years later is the is the leader of the, are nearly gone to power it's just enormous of a change so just because the the bernie effect hasn't actually ma managed to get power yet you know the mood in the country and the mood of people even though the right might be in power i think it's i think it's naive to think that it hasn't shifted left in america not that i'm american well, I, I think I, I would I think actually secretly think you that, are American. I think this accent you put on is all bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. You're probably in New York City, working from but the DNC headquarters. It's the probe. It's the probe. Well, my my thing is my my point about that though is it's much harder to change the United States than it is to change, and and part of that is structurally built into our system. Yeah. Um. And and this actually kind of does make some of your point for you that politics does matter because. Because the structure of the U.S. government is a political question, not just an economic one. And it does make it very hard to, to pivot as quickly. So, yes, there, I mean, there is a – well, actually, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the bigger concession that I wanted to talk to you about maybe that's relevant. The anti-political mood in the United States doesn't have a place to go. There's no place in the Democratic Party other than Bernie to go, and the people do not trust the Democratic Party – to allow other Bernies to happen. There's no one clearly visible anywhere. Um, on, maybe even, except for maybe Elizabeth Warren, to fill those shoes. And, and it's, it looks really bad for the future of the Democratic Party because they don't have any, any launch pad in states. What, what I don't know what that means is, is the anger. I do think there's a lot of left anger policy-wise and that the GOP, a lot of people hate them. Like, probably most people hate them. But they don't have anywhere to go. They, there is a place, because of the structures of, of labor and the structures of a parliamentary system as opposed to a congressional one, where there's, there's more place for that stuff to manifest. Um, so in that sense... I am. I'm just. I am more pessimistic about the United States, but I do think that things can change. But it's going to be a much slower process than in the UK if it does, and we haven't <laughs> seen it really begin at an institutional level in any way. I th I think these things look like they're not happening, and they you know they're being very slow, and then it happens all of a sudden. It's like these complex systems. You know, you have a a table of a mountain of sand, and you put that final sand drop on, and then the, it reconfigures its shape. And like, I was just looking back, I was going through my catalog of old episodes here. And back in episode 12, I interviewed like a Marxist guy from Speaker's Corner here in London called Heiko Koo. And we were talking mm -hmm. about like the left in Britain and, you know, what could happen, you know, how disorganized it was and that. And he was saying, you know, he thinks that the best way to do it is to is through the Labour Party. And that's essentially kind of what has happened you know and and he would you know the two of us would have laughed at uh, jeremy corbyn being labor leader and nearly getting the uh getting a majority 
you know, would have laughed at that. And uh, things, they'd look like they're not happening and then all of a sudden something happens and, and, and that's it. You know, you, we might see, you might see in America a, a raft of, maybe not this time, maybe in four or five years, you might see a raft of new governors come through and then one or two of them is going to be young and good and then there'll be a presidential nomination and they get through and you won't know what the fuck's happened. No, I mean, I think that's true. And I think I, 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 oh, to talk about Obama, and this is why Obama was such a big disappointment in a lot of ways, um, is that Obama was sort of that for the Clintonites. He was a manifestation and repudiation of their politics. And what had set, what had set him in motion probably began as early as, two, as 1992. I mean, and I yeah, don't just mean long, like his political It was a long, long deray sort of development. Can I, and, can I, go ahead. Mm -hmm. go I ahead. Jump in and say, look, look, all right. <clears throat> so let's say, because look, what we're really talking about here with someone like Corbyn, it seems to me, is a moment where a radical reform is possible. And by that, I don't mean reform that's radical, but reform that radicalizes and goes and pushes right. people beyond itself. Yeah. So, um, cause it, because in fact, if, if we think Corbyn can actually just fix everything, then there's no opportunity for radical reform. But if we think that Corbyn can create conditions where people have real expectations that their lives will be getting better and that they're, that these things can be implemented, and we and they organize uh, around those expectations, and those expectations aren't met, there's a potential there to go beyond uh, just Corbyn. I mean, by, by the way, I'm not trying to knock. I mean, I like Corbyn, but the the point is that it, it, with obama one of the things that he did very well and they spent a lot of time doing right right away after he took office was manage expectations and dampen uh excitement about the administration um and if they had not done that if the base around obama had con continued to be excited and mobilized uh there might have been an opportunity um, to challenge Obama to do much more than he was willing to do, an opportunity to go beyond Obama. Um, so politically, what we might learn from what happened with Obama is um, that it's important to throw support behind radical reform uh, with the aim of going beyond it, with the aim of failing in a particular way and leading to you know uh, even more change uh, and, and uh, beyond what we can even imagine maybe or expect. Yeah, and to throw us another support behind Tom a little bit, um, which he's not going to get a lot from me, so we should enjoy this. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Roberts pointed out to me many years ago in a blog comment when I was talking to him on a, in a comment um, that, that if you look at the historical gains and, and the left, there's only two periods where it really makes real gains. And, and one is disastrous defeated wars, which we don't really want. And the other is when labor is on the upswing and can't, um, and is their conditions and can't. And you kind of see this in America. I mean, because for example, I, I, I think there, I think like there is a bigger left in America now than there was even in 2009. Um, but that's not as principled as even Occupy was, because it's, it, its goal is resistance right now, and very similar to the Bush years. Um, mm -hmm. whereas, whereas Occupy, th this, shouldn't be, this shouldn't be forgotten because Occupy failed so, so, so spectacularly. 
um, was, was a real response to a left-wing failure. And a left-wing, left liberal, it's not the left, the left, but it was the left of what the available options were. And it was trying to push that beyond itself. That couldn't seem to happen during the Bush years because in the Bush years, we were all afraid of nuclear war. What are, you know, are, all, are the Patriot Act, you know, turning everything into a police state or what the various number of fears, many of them hyperbolic, honestly, that were going through our head. But because of that, I mean, you didn't see the left do a whole lot of actual left things, even though they had a lot more unity than they did in the Obama years. And so, like, like you need the space that someone like Corbyn could create for us to, for, for someone like us to really even push it. And it's better if he actually believes closer to us and can't succeed, too, because you have, or even if he does succeed on certain things, we, we, we have the space to push for things because if, if the working class and the people atomized by capital right now don't have that space, they can't do anything anyway because we can't like pull the union movement out of our ass. We have to create the political space for that to re-exist, for that to have any political meaning. So in that sense, like I do agree with some of the things Tom is saying as negative as I frame a lot of this stuff because I don't want people to get their hopes up too much. Because that's bad. I I don't want to. I don't want like Mitterrand or Obama or whatever pick your political figure redux. But but it's good to see that space being possible again. And then that I do agree with. Um, I will see the floor. Yeah. Well, so you agree with me too, then, Varn? Right? You're. We're, yeah. We're well, all kind of. I'm. I'm like. We're actually more in agreement than we're not. It's just what we're focusing on is different. Derek is just a sycophant. We all know that. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I totally suck up to all of you by telling you you are all wrong, dirty liberals all the time. Um, <laughs> we, but the thing is, Derek, we get your sarcasm jokes. You know, <laughs> most people don't, but we know you're only being sarcastic. <laughs> um, okay. thing. <laughs> so I I think we probably talked this one to death. Is there anything we haven't covered? Well, do you know what we haven't covered? Well, there's one thing we haven't covered. One. which is a necessity for disclosure. And I want to just emphasize to your, your listeners that they should go down uh, to the set, their SETI offices, which are often decided as post offices, <laughs> and, and demand... <laughs> that, uh, I knew it was going there, but it still amused me. What we haven't discussed is Jeremy Corbyn's uh, uh, very good wardrobe as well. I don't know if people have been looking at it. He has a, a great selection of uh, kind of white plain shirts and brown trousers. Um, that would make me proud. I don't know about you guys. I get excited. I like his hat. I like his hat, yeah. I like his beard. <coughs> I like everything about him. I want to be him. But uh, no, 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 no. I have no want to be British. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Join the club. <laughs> I'm living here at duress. <laughs> I stopped brushing my teeth because I want to be British. So, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Dudes, let's wrap this up. All right. right. I'd just like to to say, everybody, happy happy Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy that pint and and, uh, enjoy drinking those Tory tears because it's worth it. I'm not going (laughs) to move it down. (laughs) 
not one of your wishy-washy US pints. It's only about three quarter size. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> Why live in... Uh,